Hey there, listeners, it's Greg Downwich with some news for you folks before we get into the next episode of Random Encounter. So, without uh, any more delays, let's check out what's going on with features. There's just one. Uh, it comes from Ava Padilla, Dream Quests and Desires, an interview with Disco Elysium's Justin Keenan, which we talk about a bit on this episode, actually. Uh, Eva comes on to talk about Disco Elysium, the final cut, and uh, she had the pleasure of interviewing writer and narrative designer Justin Keenan for it. And if you want to see some of the deeper thoughts that went into making the final cut and uh, Disco Elysium in general, go check out the article. It's got some great thoughts from the studio Zoom and how they've been developing things, and it's awesome. As far as reviews go, we've only got a few. It's been uh, relatively quiet in the RPG department lately. Fantasian Part 1, uh, Caitlin was on last episode to talk about it, as you all possibly remember, and she was quite high on this uh, rad little Apple Arcade uh, title from Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi. So she gave editor's choice to this just gorgeous little game with its unique style, a lot of uh, nostalgic approach to it, and if you want to check out the full review of the part one of Fantasian in anticipation of part two, then go check out the review. Also on last episode, Abe Kobolanski was talking about Outriders, the new IP that comes from People Can Fly, and was published by Square Enix, and uh, as, again, you can probably tell from the podcast, uh, he was pretty pleased with it. Uh, it's It's got a lot of ground to make up if it uh, wants to keep going as a new IP, but it still looks like a really neat entry, and if you like your action cover, looter shooter kind of things, this seems to be a great way to get that itch scratched. Atelier Sophie the Alchemist of the Mysterious Book DX is uh, now on Nintendo Switch. Originally on the PS Vita, this lovely game has made the transition, and Des Miller was playing it for us, and it looks pretty great. It's got uh, some new additions that make the port awesome. It's got all the DLC in this version, and it's uh, yeah, just it's just a really great entry in the Atelier series. So go see Des's review to see what all is included in this awesome port that also is not only on Switch, also on PS4 and PC. Then we have a lovely little review from Bob Richardson of a graphic adventure, The Dark Side Detective, A Fumble in the Dark, which uh, he has been uh, recommending heartily in our uh, RPG Fan Slack channel. Uh, yeah, he thought it was just a great little adventure game. It's uh, It's got its, you know, hang-ups with some obtuse adventure game puzzles, but overall he thought it was a really great game, and uh, I recommend you checking out the review to see if this is the next one to add to your adventure game collection. And so many of us have been waiting for it, and we were fortunate enough to get our hands on Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Quentin O'Connor reviewed this entry in the series that brings back all of our beloved heroes alongside our Shepard to uh, save the galaxy. So if you want to see what all has been brought to this new version of Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, then go read up on uh, Quentin's review, because uh, he's a fan. He thinks they did a great job of bringing this game forward into uh, the modern era. And that's it for game reviews, but we have a music review. We got one of those from Hilary Andreff. She took a look at ActRaiser original soundtrack and symphonic suite, which uh, I believe was a beautiful vinyl set, but maybe it came out CD as well. Either way, it looks fantastic. Anyways, go give her review a look and uh, see how this soundtrack's shaping up. And that's it. Now we're going to dive into episode 214 of A Random Encounter.
Hey there, listeners. It's me, Greg Downwood, your host of Random Encounter RPG Fans' semi-regular podcast about semi-regular things. Uh, we're on episode 214, and I've got a delightful panel of folks on here today. First of all, as always, my delightful co-host, John O'Logan, on the mic from way over on the East Coast of Canada. Yep, uh, here I am in good old Toronto, unable to leave my home. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's exciting, actually. I just got my my memo that I can actually go get my shots, so uh, oh, that's that exciting. should be happening to me in in two weeks. And now I'm like, I'm sure the joke's been played out, but I really hope somewhere someone's got into one of these situations with going shots, 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 shots. Anyways, that being said, <clears throat> we're not the only one getting up to shenanigans on today's episodes. Uh, we have veteran podcaster Mike Solosi joining us. Hi, everybody. I got my second shot of the Pfizer vaccine. Less than 48 hours ago, and I am a little bit loopy right now, so let's rock. It's the theme of the episodes these days. I mean, Jono had, uh, you had your second shot last time, didn't you? Oh, yeah. No, that was my first. Oh, it was your first one. Okay. Yeah, and it was still a bit draining. And then the second one's always even worse, so uh, if we lose Mike partway through, we'll know why. If you start hearing gentle snoring in the background, listener. (laughs) I had a nap a little while ago, and I'm uh, sufficiently caffeinated before I crash 15 minutes after we stop recording, but I should be good for now. If there's one thing that can keep Mike Slosey going, it's a podcast. That's true. <laughs> Can't have just one podcast. Nothing can stop him when he gets on a podcast. Uh, also unstoppable, uh, force to be reckoned with, and I don't know, I just always imagine you being just a force in general. Eva Padilla on the <laughs> podcast again. Hey, uh, glad to be a force, and uh, I've been uh, fully vaccinated for a while because uh, school teacher life so yeah I, yeah it's been a, an adventure for you oh it has as far as i can tell that's the only perk of being a public school teacher i think that you've ever had i mean you get to play Yu-Gi-Oh against kids that's so true that. and i did just let uh my students watch an episode of pokemon because they finished their math homework today so like where where were you when i was in school uh not alive <laughs> my best friend is also a, a teacher and um he's vo- fully vaccinated uh, he's a high school history teacher but i was talking to him about a different monster themed video game uh hours before we started our recording today in fact and, and when we're done recording i might talk about monsters with him some more i don't think they'll mind i had 300 hours or so into monster hunter world and he i think tripled that number he's a Oof. yeah he like i i play a lot of games every year he'll play like one or two games a year and just go completely full ham into them yeah so i i, th- I think he has about as many hours in ff14 as i do but he hasn't even reached Stormblood yet because of all the crafting he does he's that's just the kind of game <laughs> that's awesome i mean i feel like that's how it would have been for me still if I hadn't joined RPG Fan. I was trying to keep up on things and taking on reviews and stuff. I probably would just be playing one game a lot. But here we are, playing all the games. Uh, and we do have some giant monsters to talk about and some other things. But before we get into that, what have, uh, what have folks been playing that isn't uh, review or site-related lately? Uh, work backwards, starting with you, Eva. What have you been playing for funsies? For funsies? Um, so, because <laughs> Monster Hunter, I've been playing... I've been playing a bit of Monster Hunter World myself, as well as uh, a little a little RPG called Disco Elysium that I think we'll go into a bit later. We sure will. Uh, how long have you been playing World for? Uh, did you just pick it up recently when it came on PC, or have you been there from the beginning? Oh, yeah. I, it's only been like the last couple of weeks, and so I haven't put a whole lot of time into it, but I've been enjoying what I've been playing so far. In addition, I got a copy of Pokemon Black 2, Ooh, which I've been right. playing a little bit of as well. Um, so Who's your starter? I 
picked, let's see, Black Toe, Black Toe, Black Toe. What was the, what was the, Tepic. I picked Tepic because I'm, I, yeah, I'm a fan of the Fire Swine. Very cute. Well, Fire Swine. Tepic is extremely cute and his joyful expression is uh, maybe the cutest thing about him. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. True. And, and Black 2 is an awesome game. I would go into it more, but um, we might save that for something over the summer. Yeah, I need to revisit that one. I think, did I get Black 2 or did I just get Black and White? Maybe it was just Black and White I had. I don't know. I got one of them when I bought my 3DS from the person I bought it from that came with it. And I was like, sweet. But it seems to be everyone touts Black and White and Black and White 2 as having like the best Pokemon story. I've put more hours into Pokemon White than any other game besides FF14. Um, I, I would say Black and White probably do have the best Pokemon story. It's, uh, it's extremely good. Gen 5 is probably tied for my favorite generation with Gen 2. But Black 2 and White 2... The story is not nearly as impressive, but the volume of stuff they give you to do, including like post-game tournaments against every uh, gym leader in Pokemon history, and uh, a, a lot of cool end-game features. So it's, it's like bl Black 1 and White 1 have awesome story, Black 2 and White 2 awesome extra content, and together they have an awesome set of new Pokemon. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Drillbur fan myself. That's true, you are. And a Solosis fan. <laughs> for uh very obviously reasons mm -hmm. uh i just uh yeah i've every once in a while I'll get bit by the monster hunter world bug too and want to go back to it well, i uh, i look forward to hearing if you decide to get to the iceborne content and all that stuff because uh there's some pretty sweet armor you can get in that that i love i like dressing like an inkling from uh splatoon and it's good times oh. <laughs> i was not aware of that but that is that is going to propel me on i'm definitely really into it um so i'm yeah i definitely see myself playing more of it I can't remember if the, you can hunt cross-platform or not, because I have it on PS4. I don't think you can, no. Or at least not between P, uh, PlayStation and Xbox consoles. Sony, right. um, uh, like Capcom wanted to try that, but I think Sony was uh, uninterested. Yeah, they've um, always been pretty but, eh about it. But, but um, Monster Hunter World, uh, uh, the, the base version, not the expansion, is free on PS5 if you subscribe to PS Plus. It's one of the oh sweet. Uh, it's one. It's one of the twenty or so. It's one of the twenty or so free PS4 games you can get on with the service, which is oh nice. Which is really cool. A lot of lot of, uh, ample opportunities for hunters to connect that way. Well, Eva, we'll have to if you uh, if we get the time, we should party up. It's fun to just tank for you. Um, so, Lucy, what have you been playing that's not uh, you know site related or giant monster related? Oh boy, not much at all. Um, I am playing two games for the Retro Encounter podcast, um, one on DS and one on PS4. That shouldn't be that hard to figure out what they are. Uh, but beyond that, that's about it. I'm, if I'm not playing uh, a game for the website or for the podcast, I'm probably editing a podcast. That's fair. Yeah, but I have been playing those games a lot, and you will hear me talk about them on podcasts, including, <laughs> la including uh, later this hour. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, what is your, um, is there any game, I guess, that you're like looking forward to having some downtime to get into? Oh boy, yeah. Um, I am, well, it's not a secret. I'm a big fan of the Ratchet and Clank games on, on, uh, P on the PlayStation 2 and 3. Uh, well, yeah, I guess they were kind of my uh, Mega Man replacement in the 2000s when Capcom wasn't really interested in making very many Mega Man games anymore because there's a lot of running and jumping and shooting cool weapons in those games. Uh, and so them, for them to make a new one that is playing with series continuity in, in amusing ways with multiple dimension gimmicks and stuff and with some trailers that look at a technical level hugely impressive... Uh, that game is probably going to be the first PS5 game I buy because I, I I got a PS5 
about a month ago, and I've only really been playing PS4 games on it. <laughs> that will change. Yeah, that, that will change when Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart comes out in June. It looks real snazzy, even though it's not an RPG. But yeah, it looked real promising when we. Oh, were. it's an RPG. You level. You level up things. There's characters. There's dialogue. It, it, it's an RPG. <laughs> Perfect. Well, then I am going to hijack this entire episode to talk about how much I effing love Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order because I finally have been playing it and it's super good. But it's basically like Tomb Raider and stuff like that, like which that's all been up for debate as to whether. I feel like there's a case you can make for gaining experience. There's a skill tree that you talk to people, you know? Yeah, that's the thing about all games nowadays is role-playing elements have been incorporated into it right? and it's made our job, well, it's made my job particularly because people will be like, can we review this? And I'm like, we can't review this, I'm sorry. But you level up, I know. <laughs> but when you hit stormtroopers, do you see numbers jumping up off of them? No, well then you can't. Eva, does this sound a little bit like a discussion you and I had with a few others on April 1st of this year? Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably misremembering, I'm, I'm being foolish, my bad. Were you ever on another podcast, Solosi? I don't know. Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um... Speaking of Capcom, uh, I've gone back for some old comfort food with Breath of Fire, the original one, on um, taking advantage of some Switch Nintendo Online shenaniganry. And it's been fun. That game is slow as heck, I gotta say. And I don't mean like load times and this and that, just it's padded. Like, moves take a long time, you walk real friggin' slow. But I like how you get all like, the party together and they all have cool different powers. Fish Guy's kind of useless, but otherwise, it's pretty neat. I remember playing that. I remember I remember renting that from Guess Where. Abercrombie Video. Oh. Yeah. Uh. Breath of Fire 3 was my first Breath of Fire, and I had never like seen or heard anything about the ones prior, even though I assumed, given that there was a third one, there must have been two before. But yeah, I'd never gone really back except ages ago and got nowhere fast. They're they're really colorful, mostly fun games. They uh, are full of full of animal people as your party members for the most part. I, I've tried all of them, but only finished uh two and four. Uh, but Greg, dude, I, I, yours, I think is the worst one. I like, I, 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 I think, <laughs> Probably. I, played Breath, I, think I played uh breath of fire one, uh, the least, at least of the first four, uh, breath of fire five has roguelike elements, uh, which is called drag, uh, subtitled dragon quarter. Right. Um, the, it has roguelike the, elements and, uh, only, quiet gem. Yeah. Only three playable characters, but a lot of really interesting story ideas. Like breath of fire five is cool, but weird and different. It's, it's like the legend of mana of breath of fire. But I, uh, I, I really, um, I think three and four are really cool, and two is a little busted at times. But, but, but two is two is pretty great also. One, one is the one that I, yeah, one is the one that I think is the is the weakest that I've played. It's definitely like the formative. It's it's like playing even like going back to Final Fantasy one, where you're just kind of like, where do I go now? Mm. It's it's interesting, but I do like how you're like on the world map, or you have to swap in and out the party members to do certain. Uh, things it's it, it was a, it was a very much ahead of its time and trying a bunch of stuff that's for sure oh and is um do you get a square logo or squaresoft logo when you uh when you fire up the game yeah squaresoft i believe is back in the day okay yeah so it, it was developed by capcom but square published it in north america and uh, it's also an, an early yoko shimamura game she there are like 10 composers that worked on it but it was one of her early rpg soundtracks and the music's good but there's just not a lot of it yeah it's a very threadbare RPG. Yeah. I mean, I kind of think about a lot of RPGs for NES and SNES as it's like a really old blanket that you loved. And when you wrap yourself up in it, it still makes you feel warm, even though it's 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 threadbare now. There's not it doesn't keep you as warm as it used to. It's 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 not bad, but I would recommend two, three, four or Dragon Quarter ahead of it. <laughs> so would I. <laughs> It's the kind of game that would really benefit from a fast-forward feature. Absolutely. The amount of times I'm like, oh, I wish this was an emulator. 
just to get through like the auto battles and stuff. Uh, you can't hear this, but I am nodding in agreement with uh, with what both of you said. <laughs> but you know, um, we could go on about this, but I, I just I don't think there's room anywhere for podcasts about talking about old RPGs, right? No one really wants to hear that. No, maybe there's a podcast on this very website where you could hear two episodes about Breath of Fire Four from uh, early 2019. <laughs> I was thinking about pitching this one, but after hearing your uh, resounding "it's the worst," I don't know if it'll fly on a poll. <laughs> I mean, you, you know where the ideas board is. I don't, it's I, true, and I, and I think Breath of Fire Three is on that ideas board. So uh, I think I, I might have signed up for it. I can't remember, but maybe I, I don't want to write checks I can't cash. But uh, you, <laughs> you, you you know how to find me if you want to um, do some Breath of Fire on Retro Encounter. Sure. If we if we want to do Dragon Quarter, I think we can whip up the votes to get that. Yeah, I'd be down mm-hmm. to try that one finally because I've heard so much good about it. Yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, Dragon Quarter fans on the on the site in general. It's it, that was a game that I sort of dismissed as too weird and not what I wanted to play at the time when I tried it a long time ago. But it's that one is ripe for revisiting, definitely. That was like me with Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, Jono, we haven't talked to you. What have you been playing? That's not, you know, RPGs and stuff. I'm afraid that all I have been playing is RPGs and stuff uh, for the site. I finally got around to uh, finishing up all of the DLC for Cadence of Hyrule, including the major piece of DLC, which was Symphony of the Mask, where you play Skull Kid. And uh, it was ridiculously hard. Um, (laughs) It was so hard. Uh, The jump in difficulty between the main campaign and even the first DLC campaign and this is nuts i still got through it i was it's probably the closest to the throw the controller at the tv i've gotten for a long time again you know it has the same strengths as always it's a 2d zelda game uh the music is unbelievably good gameplay it's solid if you like rhythm games you'll like this if you hate rhythm games you can turn off the rhythm based gameplay if you need to but it don't really bother playing it if you don't really like rhythm games but yeah it was it was pretty rewarding and I'm pretty. I'm very happy I played it. Like I gave the original a good review a few years ago, and uh, now that I've finished all the DLC, uh, I expect that there will be a DLC review up on the site at some point in the future. And we look forward to reading it. So all those hours of Yakuza karaoke didn't prepare you for Skull Kid's adventure. Uh, frankly speaking, the only reason I got through the game was because of Yakuza karaoke. All because of Friday nights. All because of Friday night. Speaking of which, we are recording on a Friday night. So cue the music. At any rate, uh, we're here for some pretty big show items. Um, back in March, we got a little gem, also from Capcom, called Monster Hunter Rise. And with all this talk of Monster Hunter World, uh, I've been curious to hear more about it. I never really played any of the demos. I think, Eva, you reviewed the, the or previewed the demo. And, um, Mike, you've been playing the game uh, uh, pretty unabashedly, as one does when they love hunting monsters like you do. And I want to get into it, but I just can't justify the, the time or the investment financially. And I would rather take photos of monsters than um, hunt them. So I'm saving my she- shekels for that. But yeah, how's how's Monster Hunter Rise been treating you? Is it uh, reverting back to like the, the more classic formula or is it sticking with what World has done? It is building on what World built uh, to, to you, for a awkward double use of the word build. Now, I, I don't want to go into over-explanatory mode, but now that I've said that, I'm definitely going to anyway. Monster Hunter has always had sort of two teams that work on the games, and while one team works on the next game, the other team is in the release window for their game. So 
uh, for the first three generations, there was that one, the main team made the PS2 games, and then the second team made the PSP games. And uh, from generation two onward, the two teams don't make just ports of each other's games. The, the uh, portable versions are different towns, different monsters, different story, different everything. So right now we're in the fifth generation of Monster Hunter, and Monster Hunter World was the main team's game, and Monster Hunter Rise is the portable team's game. So uh, this is the same director and same, uh, mostly of the same staff that made the Monster Hunter Generations games for the 3DS and, and Switch, and this is a brand new Monster Hunter. It's on the Switch. It came out in late March. I was not going to get it because I had other plans and uh, wanted to play other games at the time, but then my best friend who I've known for 25 years and have been hunting monsters with for about 12 or 13 of those 25. Uh, he bought a Switch just to play Monster Hunter Rise, and he has not bought a Nintendo console since a Game Boy Color, I think. Ooh. So that was enough. And, and and I already had a Switch, of course. So I was, uh, and he like him talking it up for, to me for about a week convinced me to buy it in sort of mid-April, I guess. And so I'm, I'm maybe about two and a half weeks in, and I uh, just recently unlocked the hunt for the final story boss. Awesome. That's a great reason to get into it, too, because this game is oh, so yeah. collaborative. And especially this day and age, having an excuse to like have a regular meetup with a friend is just when we can't really get out. That's just, yeah, I, I cannot blame you for that impulse buy. That totally makes sense. Oh, yeah. we He and I have been hunting that, not totally regularly but like if both if neither of us are really busy we're we're hunting and we're often hunting together and, and sometimes you just want to do a solo hunt it's true because it can be a little it can be a little chaotic if you're you know if you put out the uh um okay to drop in button and then three japanese people or at least hunters with japanese names um completely dogpile a monster with you it's a different kind of experience it really but, is you just sit back and watch it happen yeah but sometimes i i'm if i want to you know if i want to farm a bunch of rathalos for rubies and medulas i'll you know i'll press that button and then just go to town on a rathalos with three strangers but sometimes i want to play solo to just properly learn a new weapon or properly learn a, the movements of a monster i haven't hunted very much and sometimes i want to hang out and just do a duo hunt with my with my best bud with him probably lancing or dual sorting and me probably hammering um and it's uh it, it's been a hammer lot time's of good time. oh, oh yeah oh yeah it, it um so, stop it's hammer time a lot of the time <laughs> but uh, I, I've been a hammer main since the beginning, but really my hunter, my monster hunter, my hunter, whoops, my monster hunter career has been three long stints playing the PSP games for like two solid years in the late 2000s, then putting a a frankly uh, a frankly irresponsible amount of time into Monster Hunter World in 2018, and now playing Rise, and I'm having so much fun with it. It's uh, it, it's definitely the easiest Monster Hunter. It, t it takes all of the a lot of the stuff that world did with contiguous zones and uh, beautiful animations and takes away a few things there's no clutch claw no pot no pods no investigations no scout flies but then the things they do add uh they give you a, a dog called a palamute which you can ride like a horse for fast travel uh they give I've been you here for that name from yeah, the get-go yep they give you a, they give you um a a, a bug called a wire bug that basically flies around you like a little firefly sort of illuminating the area for you but you can cast out the wire bugs um silk to basically spider-man and grapple around the map in uh, in a bunch of different crazy ways and every weapon and it has the same 14 weapon weapon types as monster hunter world does every weapon has like wire bug moves called silk binds that are 
that are completely crazy. Um, That's rad. Uh, my favorite is either the giant shield uppercut with the sword and shield, or the wire bug zips you up and then zips you back down with a with a hammer meteor impact crater. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and you have a little silk meter, so it's like it's, it's that uh, for these moves. Um, <sighs> It's really, really crazy. Those changes alone make it feel like a very different game from World. But it is, um, and 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 the and the portable team instead of the main team doing it, like the the uh, framing of the story and the town feel less grand and less epic than in Monster Hunter World. Instead of being a fleet going on an adventure in a, in a new world, uh, like a pioneer or or an explorer, yeah, uh, you're you're basically in a uh, in a very cozy, um, very serene town that gets attacked by monsters every fifty years, and you're not sure why. And that that fifty year rampage is about to happen again, so you have to sort of navigate that. Is the oh interesting is ninety percent of the story of this game. There's there's kind of mm-hmm. sorry if I may for a sec. It kind of sounds like. Uh, almost like Monster Hunter stories, like its first. Oh yeah, well, I, yeah, a lot of Monster Hunter games are like that. It's like it's a small town behest, uh, um, that's surrounded by monsters, and the hunters are employed by the town to uh, to, to protect the town and go on hunts. Right. Uh, and it's again, this is a this game is a little bit simpler than Monster Hunter World, but then adds a bunch of crazy crap with the uh, with, with the customizable move sets and the wire bug moves. But it, it, so it, it feels a little bit easier and a little bit lighter, but part of me really likes that. I, I mean, I mean, I first fell in love with playing Monster Hunter in those second generation games where you're in the uh, when you're in that mountain town um, with the w- w- with everyone speaking nonsense language, and uh, and and this Monster Hunter Rise. It's um, I think it has about the same number of monsters that World did uh, before oh, nice. the Iceborne expansion. So ab- about sixty, with probably two. And I'm sure there'll be more. Oh yeah, they they've already they've already have so many planned updates. I don't know where the where the ceiling will go. I mean, it'll probably have an expanded Ultimate slash G rank slash Iceborne version in a year and a half or so. But right now they've already done one title update. The game came out in late March, and there was a late April update that added six monsters. Two of them being being sort of ultimate boss reskins, and four of them being returning monsters from previous games. And they announced that there's going to be a May, a late May update that we haven't, we don't have a lot of specific news on yet. But they did mention there was going to be new monsters in the May update as well. So I'm, uh, so the the base game is awesome. I'm encouraged with this pattern of updates, which seem which might even be more robust than what World did. And and World had a pretty which I don't. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. World had a lot of free updates over the in between the release of World and Iceborne and and continuing after Iceborne, and uh, and and this game just has a bunch of my favorites in it. Like it's super it's super cool to see. Um, to see Mizutsune again, my probably my favorite monster from uh, uh, from Generations, and th- the theming of this game is so beautiful. It- it's more colorful, but but less graphically, but less technically impressive than World. But there's things like uh, all, all of the new monsters, and there's about a dozen of them, are inspired by Japanese yokai and a real world animal. Uh, so like uh, the signature monster, which Eva, you probably hunted in the demo, uh, is something called Magnamalo, <laughs> which re- on the surface resembles a tiger, but it is also inspired by the Japanese folklore story of a of a haunted suit of armor consumed by fi- uh, of samurai armor. So it's like it's a giant tiger beast with reptilian features and samurai armor features and a giant spear tail, and it summons purple fiery will o' the wisps. And it's like every monster is a 
sort of unification of design like that. There, there's a uh, a giant platypus turtle that resembles a Japanese kappa and does sumo and 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 does super moves. Um, sorry, sumo moves on you. You fight Buskaboo. And yeah, it's a little bit like Buskaboo. It's it's probably <laughs> it, it probably you know like like you know bumps fists with Buskaboo at the family reunion every uh, every couple of years, but it. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a, a, a Monster Hunter game that's a little bit more lighthearted than World. Um, it, it doesn't have a ton of robust endgame content yet. I, I have unlocked the final boss, but have not fought it yet. Oh, yeah, there's also a new siege mode called Rampage that's kind of like Monster Hunter and Tower Defense uh, combined. Oh, cool. Yeah, that would be a nice change. Yeah, every, every weapon has a bunch of, sil- of, of new silk moves that are cool, but the biggest change, the, the one weapon that does not feel the same that, as it used to, is the Hunting Horn which went from being almost the joke weapon that's better at support than damage to being probably the best or second best weapon in the game. Oh, that's nice to hear, because I thought it was cool. Yeah, the hunting horn has always been cool, and... But it just seems really underutilized. Yeah, but it's underutilized. It's like, it doesn't have a great... It didn't have great damage combos, yeah. and at the end of every combo, you had to play a note, and you had to memorize the different patterns of notes to, to heal yourself or, or give yourself a buff. But now they basically improved its combos, and now you automatically play one of those buff song, one of those buffing songs at the end of specific combos. So you don't have to memorize note patterns. You just gotta know the combo. Yeah, you just you just gotta know how to use it, and uh, and which hunting horn gives which buff depending on which combo. And it, it's 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 faster, smoother, and stronger, and probably again, the hunting horn is has never been a top tier, more popular weapon until now. So that's uh, so that's that, that's really cool. And my my friend that uh, that I play with the most, he is excited by this new hunting horn. He has been working on his hunting horn skills a lot the past few weeks. Uh, that was a obvious low hanging fruit joke. I won't make there. But um, <laughs> my question though is um, for you: Do you find the uh, the silk bugs? Is that what they're called? Uh, wire bugs, but wire it, bugs. It, thank it, you. It, 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 the bugs are wire bugs, and the and the 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 meter is like a is like a bug meter or a silk meter, and the moves are called silk binds. There we go. Right, it's it's complicated. So the wire bug is um. Do you find it's like a suitable analog to kind of replace the clutch claw? Because the clutch claw was introduced pretty late into World because it came with Iceborne, uh, and then that was about it. Um, like I don't know why they would drop that because it was a cool addition that gave a lot of versatility to some weapons that weren't as mobile, like the hammer and stuff like that. So do you find that this is a good replacement, or does it even count as a replacement, or does it its own whole thing? It's its own whole thing. Um, World had a grappling hook before the clutch claw. True. That you could that you could use to like like drag down stalactites from the ceiling to land on the monster and 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 which uh, was super cool. Which that is super cool. And that and that isn't nearly as present in uh, in Rise. Oh bummer. I like using the environment. I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah. The environments in Rise are a lot more open. There's more like spaces that are obvious arenas eh. for fighting monsters, but 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 it's less dense and has less in uh, in interactables than uh, World does. But to answer your question, uh, um, I didn't love the Clutch Claw in Iceborne, and I, and I didn't play a ton of Iceborne. I I, I played through. All I didn't of, use a lot of it, but yeah, I, I played through all of World into the post game a little bit. But it didn't. But didn't go very far far in Iceborne. But the Clutch Claw in Iceborne kind of it was like they introduced it and it was very powerful. But it, you sort of had to use it in a way, like like and and uh, for certain weapons and certain hunts, they sort of revolved around getting that Clutch Claw hit in. And I I, I didn't love that. It, it sort of made some strategies feel a little bit too the, the same. But with the, the Silk Bind moves. Every weapon has between two and four silk binds, and you can customize which two you have equipped. Oh, okay, cool. And 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 the, and the variety of moves is uh, pretty incredible. I, again, I, I play hammer the most, and the hammer has 
like a move that used to be a, a sort of a spinning windmill uh, air hammer is now a silk bind move, so you can pull it oh, off. Oh, nice. Yeah, so now you can pull it off more often and more smoothly. You don't just need a hillside. Yeah. That was always my thing, is try and kite them to a hillside so I could slide down and windmill them. And now you can throw up your wire bug, and it'll it'll pull you into that move. And as long as you have the meter for it, you can do it. Uh, you can do it all the time. Awesome. And I, I mentioned the meteor impact crater one, and the hand, the hammer now right. ha- now has a counter hit, which is antithetical to what the hammer is, and is kind of incredible. <laughs> but uh, like like, yeah, like this, this the wire bugs, and the dog, um, and and the siege mode I mentioned. Those are probably the three biggest changes, and I think all of them are uh, really fun. And I'm extremely excited to see what monsters they add or, or me even if it's just one monster in the may update because i i have my list of favorites that they uh that they've checked off several of right now that i'm uh, I, I would kind of would like to see one of them make an appearance again but uh they added four new monsters and two apex version of existing ones in the last update and that was only a month after it came out so really really promising start for rise I'll, I'll I'll probably beat the game over the weekend. Oh, nice! I do have a question for you, but I want to turn over to Eva as well to see your experience, because I can't remember if you've really played much Monster Hunter before Rise or not. No, I I had played a few minutes of the Monster Hunter Generations uh, Ultimate demo on Switch, and that was basically it before I tried Rise. Gotcha. And so, having played the demo of Rise, and you did it extensively enough to review, and now you're doing World. Uh, how do you find like the play between the two? Is there one that you're preferring more than the other? And... Yeah. Um. So I feel so I've felt personally more endeared to the immersion that's present in Monster Hunter World. Uh, feeling like there is, and this is still present in Rise to some extent, but because of the power of the the PS4 and PS4 Pro and PS5, um, the what you're able to do with those biomes in feeling like a truly organic part of it where things can occur that um, you might not really even be a part of. Um, and it seems like Monster Hunter Rise is a little bit less so in that. Like, there's less interactables um, and less things that will kind of, if X, then Y yeah. in in Monster Hunter Rise. So I've preferred that about World, but uh, Locomotion in Rise is so much better because of the because of the wire bugs and because of your palamute it's so much more fluid and fun so it has so it has aspects that i enjoy about both and i definitely will want to get into rise i think i would want to wait out for that um that well-rumored switch pro um to come out for it because it was on a technical level like the re engine is incredible and what they're able to do with it on switch is very impressive but that thing is pretty underpowered and having like yeah like having a having a 756p um resolution i'm not even like that big of a res knob but (laughs) having that on a on my 4k tv is like it's it's a little rough and that game looks gorgeous like it deserves right and and it does it does like it looks it looks fine on the handheld but it's just like blown up it's not it's not the the clearest thing. Yeah, I have been playing it mostly on handheld because I I mean I already play my Switch in handheld mode probably seventy five percent of the time anyway. But 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 you're right. Like um, it, uh, World is a much more visually impressive game than Rise, and its uh its play spaces are somewhat denser. 
Uh, and uh, going on from the fourth generation games to World, they did simplify a lot of things. Like you don't have to collect pickaxes and bug nets to to gather and and hit and hit ore spots like like like, like five times in a row anymore. Thank goodness. Rise is trying to simplify things even further with with the uh, with the improved traversal and faster movement. Uh, they like the goal is to get you to the monster faster, and you don't have to use scout flies to track down a monster anymore. You send out an owl, and the owl will immediately tell you where all the monsters on the map are. Uh, so they want you to get to fighting that monster faster, and as such, the it breaks the immersion a little bit, and also the monster designs. I mean, I mean to. As much as a monst- a game about hunting dragons and wyverns and uh, and monsters can be grounded, um, world's designs and sensibilities are more grounded than what Rise's are. Like Rise is a little, Rise is a little bit more anime than World. Fair enough. Yeah, like World feels like a more cogent ecosystem than what happens in Rise, but but Rise is still in the like in the made in the manner of World and moving towards their goal of just making a a monster hunter game more about the the fighting of cool monsters that like they don't even have hot drinks or cold drinks anymore for the first time for the first time ever in a monster hunter game you just get into the snow and it doesn't matter yep there there is a snow and a volcano and a desert map and you don't need drinks for any of them well in the in the monster hunter games i played on the psp if you went into the desert during the daytime or the volcano at any time you had to drink a cold drink and if you went into the the snowy mountains at any time or the desert at night you had to drink a hot drink and now all of that's gone you you're just the armor technology has improved that even if you're wearing an Anjanath halter top, uh, you are unaffected by the cold. Well, all right. <laughs> but that's sounding still quite rad. I mean, I loved how they added the Tail Raider riding and stuff that you could call them with uh, the Iceborne update. And I guess that did carry over into the main game. Because do you have Iceborne, Eva? Yep. So I already have that. So I already got the claw. And oh, you do have it. Okay. So I wouldn't know either way. And you can ride the when you get familiar enough with them you'll be able to ride some monsters which is which was really cool i like that they introduced that i thought like wow why wasn't this here from the get-go but then i can see yes it was kind of building up to what you get in rise yeah and i use an insect glaive so 75 percent of me is not on the ground (laughs) yes it's so satisfying once you get yourself juggling and you're just like flying everywhere it's amazing you can you can play the floor is lava with it with an insect glaive for like 20 solid minutes if you if you have enough if you have enough targets. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, does it feel yeah. good? It feels real good. <laughs> but does it feel as good as landing an impact crater and knocking a monster clear out? I'm not sure it does. I like when you can come down with your hammer and you break like the Baroth's uh like skull cap thing and that's always satisfying. You just like shatter some armor. I, I have to say the I, I think it's called a it, oh I mean everyone calls it the Shoryuken, but I think it's I think it's like called Metsu Shoryuki or something. The the new sword and shield uh silk bind move where you do a giant uppercut with the shield and then when you're at the top of the jump um you can either choose a shield drop or a sword cut on the way down and uh the sword and shield is almost as good at knocking out monsters as the hammer is now it's uh, oh, wow. it, it's 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 like in between slashy slashy dual blades and blunt blunt damage hammer in in a way that is really fun it is, the, the changes aren't as dramatic as what the was what happened to the hunting horn but sword and shield feel really good that's Seems like a practical application of it, though, to make it more versatile that way. It'd be like a happy marriage of the two. Yeah. Like, Sword and Shield used to be the sort of um, easiest weapon to start with because you could guard and roll and move quickly with it. And it was also the only weapon where you could use items while the weapon was unsheathed. And it still has all of that, but they just... 
they just gave it more tricks and it's really it's it's uh, the most fun version of sword and shield i've ever tried and and like the, the hammer feels mostly the same as previous games but with a with the the two the three or four silk bind moves added um but uh yeah like this game is a positive change it feels different from world it uh but it's so good that I'm I'm not done playing with it yet. I uh, I uh, I'll probably finish the st- the guilt- gathering hall story this weekend and then keep hunting until I'm out of things to hunt, and which which might be a might be a long time. Might, there there might be the sixth generation monster hunter games by that. Well, time. yeah, which will all be two years. <laughs> so yeah, Mike, we're going to wrap this up. But I did have one question for you, as I um, mentioned earlier, because uh, we love all the free content that they dole out. And like I said, you'll probably get another two years of it, but world had some wild, awesome crossovers. You know, you had Aloy from horizon zero dawn that you could dress up as you could dress your palico up as pixelated mega man, which was amazing. And I finally got it and I'm super happy. You could dress as Dante. They had Witcher. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, what's what crossover do you hope happens in the, uh, this entry? Right. Well, the two biggest Monster Hunter World crossovers were uh, Witcher 3, where you fought a giant monster called a Leshen, and Final Fantasy 14, where you could fight a Final Fantasy behemoth in Monster Hunter World and a Monster Hunter Rathalos in Final Fantasy 14. Um, so, like, I don't necessarily have to stay in the world of Capcom for this, I guess. It's hard. Yeah, and and there was a there's a giant Bowser kaiju fight in the most recent uh, Switch port of Monster Hunter Three. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, of, of Super Mario 3D World. Um, so, so fighting the giant weird lion Mario or the Godzilla Bowser would be cool. But I think my choice would be uh, there is a boss I love from uh, Kirby Superstar for the Super Nintendo where you fight a giant whale that's smoking a pipe and, and wearing a pirate jacket. Oh. I, I, I think uh, yeah. something like that give me some awesome. Kirby bosses and some, and, and some weird Kirby weapons and Kirby bombs uh, in, in Monster Hunter. I mean, I'm probably basic bitch by saying it, but I wouldn't mind seeing some Legend of Zelda crossover for get yourself like a, um, the master sword or fight Ganondorf and you can dress up with a Ganon head on or something like stuff like that'd be cool. Either way, I wonder if, yeah, they'll dip into those properties or not. I'm not sure what the agreement is because there were some, yeah, like Witcher was a surprising one. You would have thought it was all going to stick with Capcom and then uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. And there might even be Horizon Zero Dawn 2 if that comes out in time. Yeah, and uh, um, Naoki Yoshida, the pr- the producer of FF14, is uh, was um, professional friends with uh, Ryozo Sumi- uh, Tujimoto, who's the the Monster Hunter producer for Capcom and the grandson of Capcom's founder. So like like and and he tried to even poach Yoshida to Capcom at one point before uh, before FF14 Realm of Born happened. So so like that that was part of how that started. But but what with what happened in World, the possibility for crossover is endless, and I will welcome anything. I w- I will hunt anything that they put on that hunting board. But uh, but yeah, I, I've already talked about Monster Hunter Rise too much. Probably uh, I'm, I might do a Monster Hunter podcast on a different uh, channel j- just just so I could you know work some more of this out. But uh, spoiler cast it. Yeah, well, there's not too much to spoil. Um, the the <laughs> but then you hunt a monster, and then you hunt a monster. There is kind of a late game reveal of why the monster rampages are happening, and and right. while I think it's hilarious, uh, it, it might constitute a spoiler, so I I, I won't talk about it here. But uh, I do recommend if, if any of this sounds interesting to you, non Monster Hunter players, Des Miller wrote a really sh- um, sparkling review of uh, of the game in early April on the main website. He gave it editor's choice, 
And uh, I, I, I believe he said many very um, sound judgments on that review. Uh, but, but speaking of judgments, uh, Jono, wh- wh- what was some news that we, that we got very recently? You know the recently? crossover that I would like to see? Uh, the Dragon of Dojima hunting actual I dragons? I would like to see the hot-blooded men from the Yakuza series hunting some <laughs> monsters. And yes, uh, we got some news today which excited uh, me, many of the other people on the site. Yeah, there's some some very vocal um, fans on our site of the of the series. Like me, Caitlin. Hi. <laughs> what the hell? Surprise! You bet you didn't. <laughs> we're gonna see me. I mean, I saw you in Slack, but you just <laughs> you just showing yep, up. It's uh, it's very much like Majima everywhere. Just Caitlin everywhere. She just pops out of a pops out of a sewer whenever Yakuza is talked about. Yep. <laughs> It's really dirty down here, guys. I can't believe you made me wait like hours so you just randomly stroll down the street so I can ambush you. Like, how rude. As a sewer professional, I'm a little <laughs> offended, but there's no lie to it. You would know. It's true. Uh, li- listeners, I, 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 do work, I do work for a public works water and sewer office. So uh, j- just in case that went over your head. He is loud. It's, it's, it's his word, his people. Um, but welcome to the podcast, Caitlin. Hi, thank you. Yeah, thanks for randomly popping in because you heard us talk about judgment. You're just like, F my books. Yes, Run. it's on my radar. I just like know when anyone is talking about judgment these days. I just like have to insert myself into the conversation. You just have slack, uh, like the highlighted words, but instead it's just your ears just perk up. Well, I mean, I play a cat girl in 14. So like, yeah, I, I have I have cat ears. They perk up. Cat girls unite. Yes. I'm I am a cat boy in FF14, so uh, me is a Mikoto. Caitlin shows up and we immediately start talking about Final <laughs> Fantasy 14. <laughs> Sorry, that was my fault. So you were talking about Judgment, eh? So Final Fantasy 14. That's the radar that Caitlin has on her other. Yes, list. yes, it is. Well, we should probably uh, you talk about Judgment since you're here for it. Yeah. Yes. So earlier today, uh, and this is uh, Friday, May 7th, the sequel to Judgment, now called Lost Judgment has been announced officially and uh we got a trailer the english it's going to be in english and the really exciting news about this because normally this you get a yakuza game announced and it's like oh boy i can't wait to play it in english in like a year and a half from now but no it's a sami release entire world over everyone's going to be getting this thing on september 24th on ps4 5 and xbox one and xbox series x slash s as if that's just dropped this year. Judgment? Uh, no, Judgment dropped uh, 2019, and it got a re-release earlier this year. Yeah, the PS5 version. Yeah, I just mean, like, as if we're getting this now. Well, it makes sense that they then re-released Judgment on PS5, and was it also on Stadia? Yes, it was. It's That's that's where you get, that's where you get everyone, right? That's <laughs> Yeah, it's super weird. But, I mean, it makes sense now that they did that, because clearly they wanted to pretty it up and whatnot and and give people a chance to play it or replay it before the sequel comes out in a few months which i have now i have to do i was actually holding off on judgment i was going to focus on the other yakuza games but uh now i have to play the ps5 version before september 24th so so i can just bask in the experience i i love judgment i mean obviously i love yakuza whenever i get a chance to i transfer this into yakuza encounter but judgment (laughs) is a very interesting series because the way they're the way they're going to be moving forward with this is the turn-based combat that was introduced in yakuza like a dragon that's going to be the main combat in the yakuza series moving forward but they are taking the real-time brawler combat that has been in yakuza up until that point it's going to be developed now in the judgment series and in this particular case, they're actually expanding the combat. Uh, in the original Judgment, they had, it was Tiger and Crane, was it? 
Yeah. yeah there was Tiger and Crane caught. You could switch between the two, and they're going to be introducing Snake uh, in the new game. So you're just like just like classic Yakuza games, you're going to be able to switch between three combat styles on the fly depending on your situation, which I loved. I thought that was one of the more uh, one of my favorite aspects of both Zero and uh, Kiwame. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I remember when I was playing Zero and then thinking back to Judgment, it was kind of weird how uh, Kiryu and Majima each had three and then an unlockable fourth style, but then you play Judgment and he only has two. And I'm like, why Why is Yagami getting the shaft here? Uh, but no, no longer, at least unless he has an extra fourth legendary style, but maybe we'll Who see. Who knows? I mean, we don't really know too much about the game. He might learn something in high school. Yeah, is he going undercover as a high school student because he's way too old to pull that off? Is he is is he trying to do the Drew Barrymore never been kissed for real? <laughs> or say Steve? Yeah, Buscemi. the Steve Shammy. Hello, fellow kiss. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've already seen fan art of that. It's brilliant. <laughs> Doesn't take. I long. would hope that he's going to try to go and try to go in as like an undercover school teacher or something like that. Yeah. No, I want to see him in a in a seventh grade girl's sailor fuku. What are you talking about? I mean, he's already kind of dressed like your typical punk high schooler, you know, leather jacket, really super tight jeans with a chain on them going all kind of like I'm a bad boy kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, he is the he is the cool one, especially when compared to other uh, Yakuza protagonists. I mean, Kaito's got a rad shirt. I think Kaito looks cooler than Yagami. <laughs> <laughs> and Higashi is nice and slick, and, and I'm glad to see that Higashi is back in this game because uh, I love me some Steve. Yeah, Lump. it's exciting that they are uh, that they are going back to the core cast. They're not leaving them behind, at least not the ones we've seen. Um, because I mean, I have I have my favorites in that in that game, as do you, Caitlin, and uh, mm-hmm. I suspect that Mike will as soon as he plays it. I'm I'm working on it. I'm uh I'm partway through Yakuza Four and enjoying it very much. And I and I think I'm gonna knock out Judgment. Um, I don't know either between four and five or between five and six because the the Yakuza games I've beaten are seven zero one two three. So uh, my, my Judgment time will be very soon. Judgment Day is that's right. You played seven, of course, because I was I was thinking that yeah. if you played mm-hmm. Judgment, you might get the you might get the the future Camarocho spoiled, but you've already gotten that. So. Yeah, I skipped the line a little bit to play seven because uh, you know a, a turn-based RPG set in the Yakuza uni- a universe. Main character is older than I am for once. I, I, I couldn't yes, resist. If anyone out there has not played Like a Dragon yet, you should probably get on that. Yes, do it. I am. I am really. I'm really raring to play it, and I imagine I will in the next couple of months. Once the school year winds down a little bit, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be like a dragon. Eva, it's so good and comes highly recommended by sixty percent of this podcast. <laughs> That's true. I got to get the blood pumping. So yeah, uh, we were joking about high school and I mean, apparently he's going to high school and I feel like the high school is going to become probably the uh, the reason for most of the sub stories in this game, I would imagine. Certainly most of the side quests, because I mean, in the trailer, we saw him boxing with a high school kid. Uh, my favorite is we saw him apparently choreographing the uh, dance club. Yeah. Um... Which is going to be Caitlin's favorite mini game, I can tell. I already know I'm going to rage just just with a little bit that they showed like I'm going to have a hard time parsing things with that. Well, y- Yagami's likeness is an actor that used to be in a boy band, so I think it does track a little bit. But why are they doing idol stuff in high school? Like why is that like it, This is a big thing I though. Mean, like I mean one of my favorite YouTube videos is uh oh my goodness, I can't why am I blanking on their name? Uh it is a uh school dance club. Um, and they are dancing to, okay, I'm going to look this up so I don't completely screw it up. 
we had a we had a a, a, um, a dance choir in my high school too, but uh, we didn't do stuff like this. But maybe that's just cultural differences. I think it might be. Probably, yeah. I just wasn't aware that they literally did that. I mean, I, obviously, idols are really popular in Japan. I, I know that. we well aware of that. But I wasn't aware it was a thing that one does in school. There's at least one really, really popular anime that is about a bunch of schoolgirls um, starting a pop idol group to save their school. I, I uh, oh, it's, it's like the all-time favorite anime of one of my friends. Uh, I think it's called Love Live. That sounds familiar. Yeah, so so like there is a huge tradition of idol stuff in Japan that has crossed into cartoons and video games, and at, and also like school anime, school video games are also a thing. So they're I guess they're combining this in a situation kind of like Love Live or Risei in Persona Four. I I don't know, but I I will expect literally. Uh, well, I expect is the wrong word. I will not be surprised by literally anything that Yakuza or Judgment throws at me because I I mean. We could rattle off a top 10 or top 20 silliest Ryugagotoku studio, uh, Studios moments list right now, and it would go some pretty well. Okay, I got places. it. I, I'm going to mispronounce this. Uh, they're called the Tomika Dance Club. They have won, or at least have placed, in a number of like worldwide dance contests. A uh, bunch of high school kids, and they, are, they have this incredible routine to eat you up, which was the inspiration for one of the disco songs in Yakuza 0, uh, Disco Queen. Yeah. What? Why? Why that <laughs> title? What? It's 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 a it, were they were, were a girls dance club? Yeah. Oh, they're or? a girls dance club. Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with uh, eating you up. I'll send you the link to the video because it's honestly one of my favorite things I've ever seen on the internet. Okay, I have to ask: Was it? Is that a translation, or if were they doing? You know, the typical. Let's use English words that might be misunderstood. Like, was it an English t- transliterated or... The full name of the song is Dancing Hero Eat You Up. Oh, God. It is a Japanese language cover of a 1985 song, Eat You Up, by British singer-songwriter Angie Gold. Wow, that is a trip. It, the song itself is... I mean, it's funny when you listen to... Whenever you listen to the actual... Like, every song in Yakuza 0 is inspired by an actual song. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one... It's really trippy to hear these, but the particular dance is just a group of high school girls dressed up in 1980s fashion dancing to this song, and it looks like a fever dream on the disco floor of Yakuza 0. It's incredibly detailed and accurate, and I have an odd feeling that Mike Solosi is going to adore it. I, I mean, it sounds like a wild, like a great time already. Um, I once saw a video of a, this, these weren't high school girls, but a, of a professional idol group performing, uh, a pop version of Sabotage by the Beastie Boys, and they all had mustaches and sunglasses on. And this this has a similar vibe, and I'm, I'm oh, yeah. already it's into it. It's going to be, it, it's really, honestly, something else. I just put the link in the in the chat for for oh, later. For later. For later. Just just imagine when people mod this game and they put other characters in Yagami's place. It's going to be really fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, char- character swaps for, are one of my favorite things about Yakuza. God, some are funny. Especially, yes. especially ones from Yakuza Five. Which, anyway, I think that was actually a thumbnail from an episode of Random a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago, Greg. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the only thing that we'll be doing in Lost. Apparently, Judgment. though, the high school, the high school stuff is going to be tr- a major component of the game. Almost half of it. 
Yeah, which is interesting. It has to be him going undercover for a large part of the story, which which makes sense, but also gives him the excuse to put in a bunch of school anime nonsense. So Hopefully he'll choose a better undercover look than simply his normal look with a beanie and glasses. Or he just goes in <laughs> undercover dressed as this homeless man. See, that would be perfect, especially because it's in Yokohama, or part, part of it's in Yokohama, because uh, then we would get that wonderful sort of, is it Yagami, or is it Namba, or is it both? <laughs> is it Yagaba, or, or Nangami? I don't For those know. who know, the, the English voice actor of both characters is the same. Um, <laughs> who is it? Uh, Greg, Greg Chun. Chun. Mm. Yeah. Who has a lovely singing does. Yes, he does an excellent Bakamitai. I, I am so happy that they that they made English Bakemitai good. They, if if they if it had been a disappointment, it would have made me really sad. But Greg Shun has the voice of an angel, so yeah, they no nailed worries. it. They, I think they nailed the translation. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's part of the game. That's apparently going to be the lighthearted part of the game. The other part of the game is going to be dead serious uh, legal crime thriller. And I have to admit, when I saw the trailer, there is a section of the trailer that, unless I'm mistaken, is the most gruesome thing I've ever seen in a Yakuza game. It is sick. Yeah, it is a decomposed body, and I've never seen anything like it in a Yakuza game. Because usually Yakuza, for a game that is, like, so much violence and stuff, it's... It's not it, usually that graphic. It's surprisingly, it's usually fairly bloodless. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll see, like, bullet holes and, and maybe a little bit of, like, blood at, at the edges of someone's mouth, but nothing like this, uh, this desiccated corpse that we yeah, saw Yeah, this corpse, like, it's, its head is up, and then it, like, tips over, and it's, like, an old corpse, so when the head tips over, it sounds like it breaks its neck, and you're just like, holy crap, that is gruesome. And it's covered in maggots and other insects, <laughs> and, ugh. Yeah, so I think they're really leaning into the, uh, the crime aspect of it. Because even in the last game, like we would, like people would be, there were bodies with the eyes gouged out everywhere, but you never saw it because there was always a pair of sunglasses over top of the eyes. Yes, the the popular wear sunglasses at night trend. It's spreading. <laughs> so yeah, the game looks, and I, I mean, it looks like it looks like Judgment. It looks like Yakuza. It looks like it's going to be on PS Five, so it's going to be and the Xbox Series X, so it's going to be very polished on top of that. But yeah, we're heading to, we're heading back to. Uh, Yokohama and which is a very interesting choice and to be honest I'm not sure how I feel about that because the location of Yakuza Like a Dragon obviously it's an incredible location like it's a fully it, the way they realized that uh that world is is remarkable and I completely understand why they would want to reuse it especially after they you know probably spent all that time uh designing it it probably cut down on the development time of uh, Lost Judgment quite a bit but I very much associate it with like a dragon like that was like a dragon's big move into this place okay the yakuza series is going over here now and uh judgment is going to stay here in camarocho but no they're going to be going back and forth again so i thought that was a very interesting choice yeah i um i also don't know how i feel about it uh i think it makes sense because they spent all this time crafting this you know much larger play box uh for ichiban in like a dragon um, and I guess, you know, it makes sense to, you know, take advantage of that for, uh, for judgment as well. And I mean, it, it also makes sense, uh, spatial wise, cause Yokohama is yes. not really that far away from Tokyo. So it's not like it's weird, like, oh, suddenly Yagami's in uh, Okinawa or Hiroshima or somewhere that's on the other side of the country. But at the same time, like, I worry about fatigue, especially if you've, play this game having recently played like a dragon because suddenly it's like oh here we go again and i know that's probably sounds weird because the games uh have 
taken place in part in Kamarocho a lot, so you probably, it's that's nothing new. But I hope that maybe they'll find some ways to make it feel interesting and different from Like a Dragon, and uh, I expect that they will, since we know that we're going to have at least uh, one new method of traversal, which is apparently you'll get to use a skateboard wherever you want, apparently. A very Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hmm. I wonder if, yeah, we'll have mods for that, too, that turn the skateboard into a hoverboard, I hope, please. It'd be great if they could put him in the puffy vest he was wearing in Hero. Yes! Tony Hakuza? <laughs> yes! Oh! Oh, what if they do that? What if they, like, have a cameo from a character who's not, but, you know, everyone knows he is? Like, uh, what's-his-face? That creepy, the creepy Steven Spielberg lookalike spinning from, from Zero. <laughs> Or, or or like Miracle Johnson from Zero. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that'd be perfect. I th- I, I'm I'm worried about the same thing you are, which is kind of like location fatigue. But at the same time, I guess part of me is thinking that the city is going to have a very different feel with real time combat versus the turn based combat. Uh, I think it might actually make the actual city itself feel different as you're tra- as you're traversing it. Yeah, especially because we won't be fighting Ichiban's sort of overactive imagination of. Mm enemy bad guys this time around no hungry hungry homeless yeah unless of course we run into ichiban and his friends uh which would be cool and it would fulfill a dream of mine of having greg chun have to voice two different characters in the same scene i really really want that i think it'd be funnier if you were just walking around this if you were just walking around the district and there was just like ichiban and his crew like awkwardly running in like a weird kind of triangle just randomly around bumping into stuff <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't played Judgment yet, so I don't know how many Yakuza care, uh, cameos are in that game, but for them to visit Yokohama when Yakuza 7 slash Like a Dragon was so huge, there, there has to be some kind of cameo. They're, they're going to throw, at least throw, like, I don't know, a, a Dachi talking detective shop with them at one point, right? Oh, I want that so much. I think it'd be likely that we, if we run into anyone, I think they're going to stick with secondary characters. I don't think that they'll do a big crossover. I kind of want them to because it'd be cool, but I don't think they'll do it. I think that they will just make the people want it. I, I want them to, you know, um, meet the um, startlingly attractive head of the Gomi Jewel. <laughs> that, that, that'd be a fun Yeah, like direction. that wouldn't surprise me if that happened, if uh, he ran into some of the uh, the characters we met in the underworld. Yeah, especially the the Komi Jewel, since they are the information gatherers and they might very well need their services to uh, get evidence and figure out what's going on there. Or, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if there was, you know, some uh, some big trouble in little Chinatown going on and he'd have to meet some Liumong people as well. Like there's there there are low impact crossovers that they could do that I, I don't think would rock the boat and would be really satisfying for Yakuza fans. I'm not, I'm not. I mean, there's no uh, betting house that would that would take my money for this, but I I, I think that there's going to be at least a handful of small uh, like a dragon. Yeah, cameos. and I mean they'll probably also mention events since I presume this is going to take place after like a dragon. Presumably, it depends on whether or not they have the <laughs> if they still have the uh, rights to Don Quixote in Camarocho. Oh God! Because yeah, it's it's it, it's still in uh, it's still in judgment. So, yeah, wow, Don Quixote is going to be gone. It's going to be replaced by the police department in uh, in this game. It kind of has to, because 
the first judgment was set in the year that it was released in Japan, right? So 2018? Yeah. But then again, this game has been developed over the last year. I would not be surprised if they decided to skip over 2020 and 2021 and just dump it in 2022 yeah. so they don't have to deal with COVID. <laughs> yeah, that'll be <laughs> I wish that we could do that, but hey. I mean, they may not. I mean, it's set in it's set in Japan, but it's not really set in Japan that reflects actual real world happenings in the year it's set. True. So like they don't they can COVID may not happen in this universe. True, but if they do put up twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one in the game, people are gonna be like What? I think that's gonna be a thing going forward, actually. I don't know how many mm. movies unless they're doing a specific thing about COVID, I don't think there's going to be a lot of period pieces set in 2020, 2021. At least not anytime soon. We all want to forget 2020 and 2020. Uh, will we ever? <laughs> We're getting out of it. But yeah, it's it's fun hearing everybody always so enthused talk about anything Yakuza related. The game just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, we don't, like, I mean, it's not like we want to try to bully you into playing it, but we kind of want to bully you into playing it. <laughs> I'll play it when I play Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair. I mean, <laughs> I will bully you into playing Final Fantasy fourteen too. Like, I know you all will. There's no excuse not to. You can play it for free up to level 60. It includes the uh, acclaimed Heavensward expansion and all of its post-release patches. But I have to start a new account, and I don't know how much I'm... I like my, my legacy character. It's <laughs> real-world problems. You, you can import your legacy character over. Oh, really? New Game Plus Ooh. can also do that and replay the story. Well, maybe I will. I need time, though. That's the biggest thing. Need time. But at any rate, uh, I think it is time for it to turn over to uh, what we brought Eva on her to talk about before uh, we were uh, surprised and shanghaied by Caitlin's enthusiasm for Judgment. Well, everybody's, to be frank. It's not just Caitlin. Eva, you uh, finally got to Disco Elysium. What do you what do you think? This game just seems absolutely fantastic. Bob Richardson gave it a glowing review. It's an RPG fan editor's choice. Everyone who's played it says it's great. I am sad that I haven't got into it. Every time Steam puts it on sale, I'm like, this time, no, I don't have time. So uh yeah, how was that? So um it's it's a very interesting experience. So this is uh the final cut of Disco Elysium. So OG Disco Elysium was released in October 2019. Right. The final cut is basically like the, you know, it's like saying it's a director's cut. Um, This is the first one that came out on console. It's a huge overhaul, right? Yeah. So there are some big differences here. One of the big things is that in the game, there are like, I think, 24 skills that a player can possess. And these are all like different, you know, like in a D&D game, it's different aspects. You have things like volition, you have things like empathy, you have motorics, etc. So you have ones that are more ones that are more usual that you'd see in standard RPG fare, but then you have like str you have stranger ones that I very very much enjoy, um which I'll go into in a second, but the amazing thing that um I think might be the most significant part of the final cut is that all of these are voiced by someone. And they're all voiced by one person named Lenville Brown. Oh, really? Yes. So all these different skills, there are all these different personalities that they have. So you have the drama one. The drama one is like a theater kid, and it's always calling, it's talking to your character and calling you sire. And 
there's there's so many different aspects of the personality like that how does that play out like what is the like is that is it in your their heads like how does that work yes so we had so in the skills also impact a thing called the thought cabinet where you can choose to internalize or reject certain thoughts. I should probably talk a little bit more about what exactly Disco Elysium is. Yeah, fair enough. It is a mostly non-combat isometric RPG. If its biggest, its kind of nearest neighbor would be Planescape Torment, I suppose. So it's very dialogue-based, and you play as an amnesiac cop, who uh, wakes up after a night of just absolutely, just absolutely destructive drinking of the highest order. Can't remember anything, can't remember his name, doesn't even remember that he's a cop, and is saddled with uh, attempting to solve a murder case. There's a security guard slash mercenary who is content content warning for a for a possibly slightly graphic depiction. I'll give a couple seconds on that. Who is hanged from a tree? And you are tasked with figuring out who this is and why this happened along with your partner, Lieutenant Kim Kutsuragi. So dialogue is the main aspect of this. And you talk with uh, different characters to try and figure out what happened. To be able to get more information from them, you have to roll. You have to roll dice and you have to do different checks. So it'll check things like your empathy, your drama, your volition to be able to progress in the game. So it's very heavily choice-based and it's a really fascinating system. It is the most (laughs) written game (laughs) I have ever played in terms of there's just so much writing. And a lot of it is very, very good. It is deeply compelling, tragic, hilarious at points. It doesn't always hit the mark, but with something of this volume of words, it's kind of incredible how much of it is engaging and compelling. It's a fantastically unique experience. And I'm uh, enjoying a lot of it so far. It's, I love how it's, yeah, kind of taking those classic tabletop and um, CRPG kind of styles, but turning it around in such a way that, again, there's no combat or anything like that. Like, it's all used for social interaction. Right. And I, and there's a traditional leveling up system, so you kind of get experience points, and then you can put those towards either increasing your skill or internalizing or forgetting a thought in your quote-unquote thought cabinet. So one of these thought cabinet ones has you thinking that you're um, like a rock star, basically. And it might up one of your stats and might down uh, put down one of your stats. The strangest... That's so weird. Oh, weird. The strangest one I came across was that there is... There is a guard who is standing by this button that you need to press to meet a union leader. Also, spoilers, it's a highly communist game. Um, You don't have to play it as such. You can play it as a very fashy cop. I'm not playing it as that because I, you know, encounter that enough. So I don't really want to, you know, play a cop like that. So there's this guard who's standing in front of this button. And where he's from is supposed to be kind of a parallel to... Maybe something like um, the Ivory Coast or something. 
And this guy is, he is, he is a racist, kind of, but he doesn't really make sense. It's very hard to understand what he thinks of in terms of who is superior and who is inferior. <laughs> and to get past him and to get to this button, you either have to internalize his quote-unquote advanced race theory and become a racist yourself. <laughs> or, yeah, or, 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 you can up your physical stat, which is called physical instrument, and you can tornado kick him to the face while yelling Disco Inferno. <laughs> I choose violence! So, yeah, yeah, I, um... So, yeah, I choose violence because I didn't... So, my character was not a a very physically-minded character, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to become a racist, so I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna get really good at doing tornado kicks. <laughs> and that's what I did. So, that's how I got past him without internalizing the thought of becoming a racist. If only more people would go that route. <laughs> I know. Like, can't people just end their racist shenanigans and just get really good at tornado kicks yes or can we tornado kick it's all of them tornado yeah. kicks are super easy it's just a quarter circle back and then a kick move and i know <laughs> i know it sounds like i know it sounds like ryu was saying is just saying yuck, 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 but it's, it's it's supposed to be tatsumaki senpu kyaku exactly <sighs> mm -hmm. yeah why can't we all just do that um, this, this sounds like a very educational game oh it, <laughs> it you know it is it's um <laughs> In some ways, it is. It's it's some of my some of the writing in here is some of my favorite writing, not just in video games, but it's very novelistic, and uh, it's some of my favorite novelistic writing as well. There are some moments that I just lost my lost my stuff laughing. Um, <laughs> moments that have made me tear up with just how. Um, broken and tragic they feel <laughs> i just love that image of you just laughing so hard and you're like ah where's my keys yeah <laughs> 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 well i wasn't well well I'm, i mean I'm, I'm laughing just thinking of eva going hmm what's better my empathy or my physical instrument <laughs> that's what i did that's what i did and now i'm and now because my physical instrument is as high as it can go i'm leveling up my <laughs> skill called esprit de corps which helps me understand cop culture oh <laughs> uh... so you can like de-escalate things no it helps me understand what cops are thinking without becoming like a without being like overly sympathetic to them okay which is hmm. so basically you just intuit things that you basically intuit things so when you're dealing when you're interacting with other cops you can tell what they're thinking more um and you understand more of what your police department is like and and maybe, um, maybe you're better at talking to them so you can yeah you, you convince them into thinking that you're one of them or maybe you are legit legitimately becoming one of them Right, exactly. You under you understand cop culture without necessarily having to become a cop, a cop, a cop. Oh my god, it's sounding like Boston. Um, Not be a cop. Becoming a cop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's it's a very interesting way to go about a game. Um, the final cut, I do have to say, 
it's most of the bugs have been solved by now, but through my playing of it, I have encountered um, 11 full crashes. Oh my. <laughs> wow. No, not uh, yeah. It's what, what system are you playing it on? PS4 Pro. It has not crashed in the last couple of days. So there is that. And I will say Studio Zaum has been very quick in getting these patches in. But that game should have been held back at least three weeks on PS4 and PS4 Pro because the number of crashes I was getting early on was kind of unacceptable. So, and I'm not someone who really, you know, points that stuff out but when it's interrupting your experience that much yeah it is it is just it was disruptive um it's not anymore but this is also five weeks out from its release so bully for them for fixing it (laughs) but but not bully for them for putting out a game when it should have been delayed by like a month that's fair well yeah okay i guess this segues really nicely into asking you also about uh in an and not necessarily in anticipation of the game, but prior to you playing this version of the game uh, or any of it, because you, you've only played the Final Cut. You hadn't played the previous vanilla one, had you? Correct. Uh, but you got to interview Justin Keenan, who's one of the writers and narrative designers from Studio Zoom, who worked on this. Uh, and yeah, I was talking a bit about how this is still supposed to be the more ideal version of the game that they wanted to make in the first place, uh, which, again, it's unfortunate that the ideal version came with some bugs at first, but I guess they're... Stuff that still had to be ironed out when they're trying to smack on the best version content on top of an already existing game kind of thing. Right. But yeah, how was, how was that conversation? Uh, how did that all kind of come around for you? Oh, it was great. I really appreciated Justin taking the time to answer some burning questions that myself and some of my friends had. I put on a, a post on Facebook and was like, I get to interview one of the people who worked on Disco Elysium. What do you want to know? And I had a couple of friends who helped me craft some of these questions, some of them brilliant and some of them just hilarious. And kind of the thing that I really took away from this, and they've talked about this in other interviews, that as strange and possibly kind of unique and esoteric Disco Elysium is, their main goal with making this was as, quote, a mass product for mass entertainment. They wanted this to be accessible and they wanted this to be something that wasn't like reading the most egregious Marxist theory of the of the late 20th century and such. The <laughs> one of the the kind of main designer behind it, Robert Kurvitz, had uh, compared uh, 20th century theorizing and such to an arms race of, I believe it was an arm race of kind of inscrutability, where you get to a certain point where you're trying to read some of these theorists and it's just, it's trying to be inaccessible and it's trying to be so far from what a mass audience can digest that it's really not all that useful at times, as sacrilegious as that might be. And I think Disco Elysium, for all its quirks and eccentricities, this can be a product for mass entertainment. And by the summer, it probably will have sold 2 million copies. And um, I'm not sure which other left-wing products can really claim to be that popular 
or that acclaimed. So I think they're they're doing a pretty bang up job if they're um if they're winning Game of the Year awards for best narrative while thanking Marks and Angles, I think they're doing pretty well. Yeah, no kidding. I, I really um appreciate again to ask him about um relating to the main character who has identities and affiliations that um, may be very different from a lot of players, including myself. Like I'm not a I'm I'm not a I'm not a white you know a white alcoholic a white cop with alcoholism in in parallel France or whatever they may be, and some of the decisions that he's backed into and such are decisions that I wouldn't make. So being able to ask about player agency and whether this character is supposed to be a cipher or is um, someone that we're just supposed to kind of see as a character in a novel is uh it's very interesting so you know not to do my own horn but i would highly recommend people checking that out because i think uh justin had some really wonderful answers mm-hmm. it'll be linked in the show notes for sure uh my question for everybody here before we close out the show uh give me one game uh and i'm gonna make it hard for you because i'm not gonna let you say uh yakuza give me a game that's not yakuza that you would like to play without combat like you'd like a sort of uh yeah banding about talking it out kind of system Ooh, that's a really good question greg yeah um i um you know one rpg that i would like to see where it was all like talking um i would say final fantasy 4 and you just play as edgar and you have to like sing through everything you have to like sing and talk your way out of everything as the spoony bard that you are just a spin-off like a good final fantasy 4 spin-off just with edward there we go <laughs> I'm gonna say Tales of because there's a lot oh. of Tales. There's a lot of Tales characters that are very, very sassy. So if you, if you have a Tales <laughs> game that was say Jade Curtis from Tales of the Abyss as one of the main like characters, it. you have to defeat people just with uh, withering remarks <laughs> and uh, and and, sar- and sarcastic quips and brutal insults. Uh, so no systemic combat, but just like the best of weird, sassy tales dialogue being your spells. Instead of casting indignation, you actually act indignantly to defeat your enemies. Uh, and for those that don't know, indignation is like a big lightning spell in a bunch of tales games. I actually have two. Give it. Is that okay? Absolutely. So my tongue-in-cheek response is trails, <laughs> trails game, because you have a lot of NPCs. And they all change their dialogue every major plot point. <laughs> so what better way to torture people than to say that in order to increase your power, you have to talk to all those NPCs every time the dialogue changes. That's how you get your stats up and level up. What was your other one? Yeah. So that's my tongue in cheek. Uh, I actually think it could be cool if we had a Deus Ex game. Oh, nice. Without combat. Because there's already a corporate. lot of systems in those games that revolve around, if you want to, because you can play them like an FPS if you want to and just go in guns yeah. blazing, but you're often rewarded for not doing that. And one of my favorite things from Human Revolution was, and it, this didn't happen very often, it was only a few times it happened, uh, but the when you would have a, um, I forget if they had a term for it, but it was like, it was a... Um, a, a, a talking battle, a, 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 a discussion battle, or whatever. There was a word for that. They had a term for it. I forget what it was. But you would, you had to get something from a character by talking to them and convincing them to give you information or do something for you. And you could fail, but you could also succeed as long as you could read them correctly and you say the right things. And I loved those sequences. Those 
were so cool. And, you know, for me, I always like to do stealth and try to avoid all-out combat when I could in those games in the first place because I just find exploring the environments and taking advantage of them in a non-lethal or non-like, you know, full frontal way to be more interesting and fun than straight up, you know, playing it like a shooter since if I want to play a shooter, I'll just go play a shooter. But I think that could be really cool to like, you know, just there's no combat. No, you don't you don't carry guns or whatever and all you you have to investigate and do your normal stuff, but you have to get do it, you know, by talking to people. I'm thinking um I'm thinking this mostly just because I don't like the combat system, but I want to play this game. And it's already, like, basically non-combat towards the end of the game, which is Xenogears. Oh, yeah! Like, I don't want to, I don't, I do not want to deal, I do not want to deal with the platforming. I do not want to deal with the combat, but I do want to see that story. So, just talk everyone, just talk everyone out of it. I would love if that was more like Disco Elysium, I think. I also submit Legend of Zelda, if only just to have Link just constantly going, hip, hat, hip, 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 for everything, <laughs> but no actual attacks. Uh, any rate, thank you for humoring uh, dumb questions that are uh, fun to make you think. Uh, of course, listeners, let us know if you have any fun thoughts on this as well. But uh, I think that brings us to the end of a show, because, uh, yeah, we're, we've been talking for a while, as we do. Uh, we have some other great podcasts. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Mike Solosi here is a veteran of uh, podcasting, and you can find his dulcet <laughs> tones consistently on Retro Encounter, uh, where they play uh, older games, talk about different concepts from games. Uh, you know, a lot of games, just usually not the most current ones. What's the rule again? It's got to be over two years yep, old? It has to be at least two years old, um, which is an arbitrary <laughs> name. I almost regret that we called it Retro Encounter, because if we play a game from say 2017 we get facebook comments that it's not retro enough but screw you guys it's our podcast we're going to play what we want old encounter older than now encounter uh any rate uh, one uh, podcast that is back uh, it's been in a bit of a stall as our boss has been trying to play catch up with a lot of stuff but uh rhythm encounter is back still very much alive and we got a couple cool episodes planned for that and, of course, there's the Phoenix Edge podcast with Hat and Eric, where they stay much more up to current events than uh, our podcast here on Random Encounter or uh, Older Than Now Encounter. But uh, otherwise, if you have comments, questions, feedback about anything, you can hit us at podcast at RPGFan.com. You can find RPG Fan most places on the web, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. We're all over it, except MySpace, because reasons uh otherwise thank you all so much for listening and thank you friends for being on here mike caitlin eva jano it's good talking to you folks of course we do always but before we sign off i have one last question for jano we we talked about capcom games we talked about a detective game and we talked about a dialogue heavy game how have we avoided talking about great ace attorney all this time so excited <laughs> uh all right yeah just throwing it out there great great ace attorney i'm i'm gonna want a podcast about that eventually but then not for a few more months that, that's all I, i'm done <laughs> thank you everyone so much for listening for myself for jano eva caitlin mike thank you so much goodbye